So good morning, Sangha. Can you all hear me? That's good. So today we begin the first full day of this incredible practice. What a great gift that we've all given ourselves. So we should pat ourselves on the back for that too. (laughs) Good choice, good choice. This is what wisdom looks like in our lives. So I am going to lead a guided um, body scan for the four elements. And I love this meditation. The Venerable Analio, who many of you, I'm sure most of you probably know, he is probably the best scholar right now on actually what the Buddha taught. And um, he says that when the Buddha taught his son Rahula how to meditate, he, this is what he taught him. This was the first thing that he taught him, was the four elements meditation. But before I do that, I want to give a little bit of background. So I'll tell you this little indigenous story. An old Cherokee grandfather, and actually I'm doing some opioid work with the Cherokee Nation right now, so I'm going to not say Cherokee, I'm going to say indigenous. (laughs) An old indigenous grandfather is teaching his grandson about life. And he says to his grandson, A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It's a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One wolf is uh, evil. They have anger and envy and sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, lies, false pride, and ego. He continued, the other wolf is good. They have wisdom and joy, peace, patience, serenity, determination, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the grandfather says to his grandson, and the same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old indigenous grandfather said, the one you feed. And I think that's an excellent little beginning story because that's exactly what, you know, our uh, samadhi or mental training, self-directed neuroplasticity, that's what we are doing. (laughs) We are uh, watching for all of the unwholesome ideas and thoughts in our brains and um, just noticing them and seeing them with as strong as mindfulness as we can in order to have the correct response to it. So um, there's one sutta that I really love. It's called the Vipalasa Sutta in the Buddhist teachings. And uh, Vipalasas is distortions, and it's about the distortions of perceptions that all humans have. Our other, you know, four-legged and winged and finned relatives might have it too. I don't know. (laughs) But I know us two-leggeds do. So um, 
there are um, four distortions of perception. And the first one is uh, when something happens to us, we can have unvoiced thoughts uh, that include things like, this is the way it will be forever. Has anyone ever thought that besides me, or is that just me? <laughs> it's going to be like this forever. And that's denying the absolute truth of impermanence, right? That's the first unexamined uh, distortion. This is the way it will be forever. The second one is, for this to be okay, it should be pleasant. I know I have that, you know, unconsciously arising, like, oh, this doesn't feel good, so I'm not going to do this. And that is denying the absolute truth of unsatisfactoriness of all conditioned existence. Um, so thinking that our lives have to just be pleasant and not realizing that things can be pleasant for a short amount of time, but they will never provide uh, permanent satisfaction, which is, I think, what a lot of us are looking for. Uh, the third, the third um, unexamined distortion of perception is I am making this happen, or this is happening to me. And that is denying uh, conditionality, just the conditionality of everything that arises. Everything arises by causes and conditions. And everything is not personal. I remember when my partner, and he's fine now, he's totally fine, but he got diagnosed with... Um, prostate and colon cancer within two days of each other. And it was so funny. The first thing that came to my mind was, wow, I belong to the cancer club now. Because, you know, cancer is an incredibly common experience that many, many humans have. And, um, you know, it's part of our common humanity. And anything that arises in us, you know, it's never just us. It's all part of being born a human in this life. You know, these are, this is what uh, a common humanity feels like. All the joys and the sorrows and the struggles and the conditioning. And then the uh, fourth um, distortion of perception is, um, this is, for this to be desirable, it needs to be beautiful. That's a little bit like the second one of wanting everything to be pleasant. But, uh, you know, underneath those uh, distortions of perception are um, us not seeing, I love the way that uh, Ruth King talks about it, that everything is uh, imperfect, impermanent, and impersonal. You know, those are the three huge uh, truths or understandings that we have by doing this practice. Not just by doing mindfulness, by doing the Eightfold Path. Because this is part of a larger um, practice, right? The Eightfold Path. So what sati does or mindfulness, it clears up these per perceptual distortions. When our mindfulness is strong enough, when we have good samadhi, 
when things arise, you know, we can see the truth of them, of, of being um, impermanent, imperfect, and impersonal. And that is really where a lot of our freedom comes from. So I think we probably all know that the way that mindfulness or satipatthana is taught, that there are four foundations of mindfulness, right? The first is mindfulness of the body. The second is mindfulness of feeling tone or whether something is pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. The third is mindfulness of mind or mental states. And then the fourth is mindfulness of dharmas or very common mental phenomena or objects that we all have. So uh, this uh, meditation, mindfulness of the four elements, is one of the uh, mindfulness of the bodies. The Venerable Analio has a great book out. Um, What's the name of it? It is... Oh, Satipatthana, a practice guide. And it's available free. You know, I'll tell you a quick academic trick. If you Google anything, you could Google um, Satipatthana, a practice guide. And if you put space PDF, you'll go straight to something you can download. That's a good little tip. Google term space PDF or PPT or MP3 or 4 or whatever, yeah. So let's start doing some mindfulness of the body. So let's come into a whole body awareness. A whole body awareness from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, if we have them. Anyone with missing parts of the body, that's absolutely part of the human experience as well. All bodies are deeply welcomed, regardless of how they look. So let's start with the earth element. And we know that the earth element is hardness of the head. It's our bones are the earth element. So let's start with our heads. Whatever sensations the body scan is offering you are absolutely okay. If you can discern what earth element feels like, if you can discern a subtle sensation of bones, that's great. You might be able to do it when our concentration gets a bit uh, deeper, but just whatever sensations are being offered to your awareness are absolutely fine. We can start with our face. Our teeth are earth element. We can clack them. Our ears, the back of our head, and the top of our head. Our whole skulls are earth element. Moving to our necks. The beginning of our spines at the base of our head is earth element. Moving to our shoulders and our upper arms and our elbows and lower arms. 
and our beloved hands. Thank you, hands. Just feeling both of our shoulders and arms and hands together. Moving to our upper torso. Here we have our spine and our rib cage is earth element. Moving to our lower torso. And to our pelvic area, lots of bones in our pelvis. We can feel the hardness of earth element with our bottoms against the seat or the cushion. Hardness is earth element. Moving to our upper legs, our thighs, to our bony earth element knees, and to our lower legs, earth element, and to our feet if we have them. Thank you, feet. Just feeling all of the bones in there. Lots of bones in our feet. Coming in, back into a whole body awareness of earth element. Earth element internally, earth element externally, all the same. Now let's go to water element. Water element is characterized by the flow of blood in our bodies. And actually chi, too, energy, is part of water element. And this is throughout our whole bodies. So let's see if we can recognize water element in the body. Water is also the binding force in the body, cohesion. So let's start with our feet. We know we have blood flowing here, and actually any phlegm or mucus is also water element. Just feeling the sensations of the feet, whatever is being offered is fine. Water element, moving up to our ankles and our lower legs. water element, and to our knees and upper legs. Water element, moving to our pelvic area. I'm sure all of us can feel water in this area when it wants to come out. Maybe someone is feeling that right now. That's a manifestation of water element. It's just feeling this pelvic area. Moving up to the lower torso. 
There's lots of water element going on in here. In the belly. There's a lot of wetness in our digestive process. Just feeling the sensations. Water element moving up to our upper torso. Water element and moving to our shoulders. Looking for energy and cohesion. But whatever sensations are offered are excellent. Just being aware of the sensations. And our upper arms and our lower arms and our beloved hands holding our shoulders and arms and hands in awareness. Water element. Moving to our necks. We have a lot of liquid in this area all the time. All this phlegm and mucus. That's part of our water element. Moving up to our heads. Feeling the wetness in our mouths. We know our brains are floating in liquid. Just holding the whole head in awareness. The face and the sides of the heads and back and top. Water element. Coming back into a whole body awareness. Water element internally, water element externally, all the same. And now, fire element. Fire element is temperature and maturing. Actually, aging is part of fire element. For us elders in here, we can nod and Thank fire element for part of that. Starting with our heads, any temperature in the head at all. Warmth. Warmth is a sign of a lot of life. Any temperatures at all, coolness, breeziness is good. Feeling that on the face and the parts of the head, the ears. fire element, to our neck, to our shoulders, and our upper and lower arms, and our hands. Feeling the fire element in our arms and hands and shoulders. Temperature and heat, or coolness. Moving to our upper torso. We know our heart is here. 
and our heart generates heat and warmth. Can we feel the warmth of our heart? Any sensations are good. Fire element, moving to our belly. And fire element is really a major ingredient of digestion. All of the elements are in the belly, maintaining our life. Fire element helps break down all of the things we eat. Can we feel that in the lower torso, in the belly? Moving to our pelvic area. Fire element to our upper legs and our lower legs and our beloved feet. Holding our legs and feet in awareness is their temperature, warmth, fire element. Coming back to a whole body awareness. Fire element internally, fire element externally, all the same. And finally, wind or air element. Wind or air element has the characteristic of supporting and pushing and movement. We know that our blood is, you know, primarily oxygen or air. Let's start with our feet. Whatever sensations are offered are great. Air element. Moving to our lower legs. Our calves. What sensations are there? To our knees and to our thighs. Air element. Moving to our pelvic area. Some of us, or all of us, release air from here sometimes too. We can feel the pressure of that sometimes. Just feeling the air element in the pelvis. Or any sensations are great. And in the lower torso, here is where we can really feel the movement of air element, pushing and moving. Whenever we are spaced out or confused, this is an excellent anchor for us to come back to air element at the belly. Just watching air element expand and contract. Moving to up the upper torso, we have our lungs here. Can we feel air element 
arising, filling, and releasing in the lungs. Moving to our shoulders and our upper arms and lower arms and hands. Air element. And to our necks, we have a special pipe here just for air. And to our heads, we can feel the air at the nose. This is also an excellent place if we are spaced out or confused to come back to. The air right at the nostrils. Just feeling the whole head for air element. Now coming back into a whole body awareness. Air element internally, air element externally, all the same. Now let's rest in spacious awareness and let mindfulness sati pick what it will be aware of. But maintaining a whole body awareness is great. Earth, water, fire, air externally. Earth, water, fire, air internally. All the same. Yes, we are nature.
It's always nice to send our bodies some metta. See if we can watch with love. Thank you, body. So in um, that book that I really like, the Satipatthana Practice Guide, the first uh, guided, there's um, seven spokes of Satipatthana, is how Analyo talks about it. And the first um, mindfulness of the body is a body scan for 
uh, skin, flesh, and bones. You know, you do body scan first for skin and then flesh and then bones. Because uh, the Buddha taught to be aware of, you know, the 32 body parts, I think is how he talked about it, yeah. So that's another potential practice. So we're going to have a few questions now. Any questions? or? And please, we can all answer them if you have any good answers. <laughs> Anyone? Yes, right here. Sleepiness and squirmy? Squirmy, yep. Well, welcome to the wonderful humanity. (laughs) I would say I'm struggling with that too. (laughs) Uh, That's very, very common the first day of retreat. In fact, I don't know, it's probably in the book. (laughs) On the first day, you will feel sleepy. I think it's that, um, you know, we're so overextended that when we finally take some time to rest, you know, our body tells us, hey, you should have been resting for the last two years or whatever. So it's a very common feeling. And, you know, that's an interesting thing to investigate. What does sleepiness feel like, you know? That's an interesting thing to, or squirminess too, yeah. Do you guys have anything in particular? No? So welcome to our common humanity. (laughs) Maybe some green tea in the morning. (laughs) That can be helpful. What? Oh, two packs, there you go. I'm not a big coffee drinker. I had a big old cup of coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions? Yes? Well, wow, that's an excellent observation, actually, to know that. Because a lot of people you know, live their lives having that and not even realizing that that's there. So the fact that you realize it is an excellent thing. And, you know, um, that is Mara talking to you. I'm sure many of you probably know the story, you know, the Buddha, right before he was going to become fully enlightened, he had delusion come down and go through his mind. And he said, I see you, Mara, you know. And uh, I, you know, have, you know, many, if not most of my thoughts are crazy like that. And I like to say, I see you settler, as in settler colonialism. (laughs) Though the settlers are my relatives too, I know that. But I say, I see you settler. (laughs) So you could think of, um, you know, it's excellent to see that. And the stronger the mindfulness gets, the more samadhi, when that arises, it'll be a lot more objective. You'll say, wow, there's that, you know, commercial again. You know, what is that? Is that Avon or I don't know. <laughs> Pick some, you know, advanced laissez-faire capitalist thing that says we're supposed to all look like this, you know. And, uh, yeah, so that's excellent that you're seeing that. That's good. <laughs> 
Yes? I'm interested in how the four elements translate into the practice of Qigong. And if I am Ooh. early in asking this question, I can wait. Not only do we have four elements in Qigong, we actually have five. So there's the, there's the different approaches to understanding the nature of manifestation and the, the, the way that uh, the beautiful meditation that Bonnie led us in uh, around that essential mindfulness of the, f- of the four elements is also present in a different and unique way in the traditional uh, Taoian and, and Qigong systems of the five elements. So it's not that they're different, it's just it's a little bit like the difference in the approaches of yoga and the, um, and the Qigong and the, the Negong, the internal arts of, of China. So the um, the practices that we do and that we will do, I'll open those up a, a little bit over the course of our time together, and we'll probably do some of the five elements or four elements practices because it's intimately uh, connected, of course, with uh, with our qigong practice, with our uh, somatic awakening, our embodied mindfulness. Um, it's a big subject, and, um, and so I'm glad you brought it up, but it will, will, will integrate it in a practical way rather than do a lot of theory on, on that. Um, the, you know, when I introduce certain, certain of the breathing practices that are directly related to elements, um, you'll have that sense, just like Bonnie uh, guided us in that practice, a direct, a more direct experience. So that's probably too many words for, uh, <laughs> for a, an answer that is uh, a little vague and not specific, but uh, there is a, a unique and wonderful connection between the elements and, um, and our embodied practice. And I just want to quickly say that... Um, you know, all of us have two knowledge systems. We might have more than two, but we definitely have two. One is our conceptual mind that counts things and names things and essentially made all of this up, right? <laughs> and uh, then we have intuitive awareness. And that's where our practice is taking us, to that wisdom uh, principle of intuitive awareness. So we can... You know, just watch and gather all the data. Mindfulness is the data collection system for wisdom. You know, it it, uh, sees whatever's arising. It sees our reaction to what is arising. It sees that person saying, hey, your body should look like this. And um, we just collect all that data, and that is fueling insight to arise, you know. That's how the practice works. And uh, the stronger the samadhi or concentration, 
uh, the more objective it feels. But I always have a reaction to what is arising in me too. But that's just the next thing for us to see, not liking this or liking that or wanting things to be like this. And just even saying to ourselves, everything is imperfect, impermanent, and impersonal. You know, just a reflection like that can um, let us hold all of this craziness a little, a little easier. So, uh, okay, one more quick question, and then our beloved Vinny is going to teach us how to do walking meditation. Yeah, you can take your mask down just to speak, yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredibly common. I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't have a lot of pain the first couple of days of retreat, right? I mean, we all have it. It's very, very common. Probably because we're paying attention to the bodies in ways that we haven't before. Mm. And, you know, the body is what generates pain for us. Um, I would say, um, you know, watch it with some tenderness and with love. Maybe watch it with compassion. Oh, you know. Um, and... Um, and if you have to move, I mean, if the pain gets really strong, just, you know, see the intention to move come up. Because, you know, we have an intention for every single thing we do before we do it, but we often don't see that because it's so quick and so deeply embedded in our, you know, system of living. So if you could see the intention to move and then to move, that's perfect, you know, and you don't need to... Um, you know, to sit in pain if there's a way for you not to sit in pain. You know, there's nothing... I mean, I'm sure that there's a wisdom message in that pain is associated with being born in the body. It's probably the first noble truth, right? That's an insight. Hey, guess what? <laughs> but, um, you know, if you can move and not be in pain, absolutely do that. And um, But, you know, see if you can notice yourself about to move. So, you know, you can drill in. And I'll tell you one thing. I got uh, one teacher I taught with once yelled at me for saying this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> when, you know, when I sit retreat, I usually take Tylenol the first couple of days <laughs> because I also, my body really hurts a lot. So, and I'm, you know, old, so I get to do that. <laughs> but I'm not advising that, but that's just what I do. Okay. I would also add something on to Please, to that. please, uh, yes. Maybe Ben has something as well. Um, we're not used to sitting. You know, to, to come into a container like this on a, re, on a retreat and be still is different than sitting, say, and watching a movie or something like that. Um, so the the strength that we build which is a which is a gradual one it's not going to happen in any kind of complete way during the course of one retreat but we do gain uh, structural and energetic strength 
gradually over time. So I, I would lean into the impersonal part that uh, that Bonnie pointed out, um, and it's it, it's part of the wonderful skills of the somatic practice to to build that symmetry and balance in the body so that you can tolerate stillness. Seems funny to say. Seems funny to say, but we, we learn how to tolerate some stillness and then and gain the capacity for that um, stillness and poise um, uh, through through the skills of our various practices and the, the ways that Bonnie was pointing out beautiful. Um, and uh, also, I think that's one of the reasons that our somatic practice is so... Uh, it's a beautiful marriage in the in the contemplative ways. Our, our meditation is not just this meditation, but as, um, as Bonnie said, the, um, the two domains of knowledge of having, you know, having this intuitive awareness. And it's not that we're, um, it's, about, it's about finding the balance between uh, sufficient cognitive balance, which, which we humans are probably more prone to, and then developing this in more uh, um, intuitive. So I hope that's helpful. Okay. Sitting here listening to the questions. You know, we come back to the real basic components of mindfulness. There's two components. Clear seeing of what's arising. Right? So maybe it's shame or anxiety or restlessness or tiredness or whatever it is. Right? We don't have much influence over what arises. Hardly any. So we have to be able to see clearly to respond wisely. If we, can't, if we don't know what we're responding to, not much chance it's going to be wise, yeah? So we just watch what's arising. The good news is what's arising is just about um, irrelevant. It's so strange to think that, right? Because the mind is like, no, this is important. No, it's not. It's just not important. It's important to see clearly, but the content of it is almost irrelevant. What's of major importance is how we respond to it, right? So I have a lot of, uh, I've worked with anxiety for most of my life. Decades and decades of not feeling at home in my body. I can't think of a stronger reason of why I'm sitting here than my anxiety. So we can see the presence of something could have an an amazing impact on my life, right? So when anxiety comes, which it still does, there can be a very compassionate response of the one that is suffering. I don't have to argue against it or defend it or figure it out or the why. 
Those are, that's the labyrinth. That keeps me in its domain. But when I just put my hand on my heart, my belly, when I just care about the one that's suffering right now, it turns out it has a liberating aspect. So the presence of anxiety is not the problem. Where it leads me is someplace inward and onward leading. So no matter what it is that's arising, there's a wise response to it. And so that's what we're going to be practicing. Seeing clearly and responding as wisely as we can. Does that make sense? Right? We, yeah. We usually put so much emphasis on trying to figure it out. That way we don't have to suffer. I remember my first teacher saying, you know, just love what is, love what is. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to be that love, you know. And then I was just like, man, my back is killing me. Oh, my God. Help me with this, you know. And she said, well, no, no, go back to that first instruction, love what is. And I was like, no, no, but this is just a pain in my back. It's... It's not something to love. This is, I just need your help with this, and then I'm ready to be love. I'm going to be it. She's like, well, what, what might that pain in your back have to do with uh, you know, your most challenging relationship with your father? I'm like, this just got weird. I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, and she was like, well, how we approach pain or discomfort or how are we engaged with that which is unpleasant? Love what is, huh? I like, how about if I could just hate it less vigorously? <laughs> and that became, you know, a little bit of movement on the needle. It's like, oh, I can do that. I can't go from hating something to love something, but I could go from hating it less vigorously, maybe to some neutrality, maybe to actually caring for it, right? So that was my progression, and it was very slow. Mm. Walking meditation. Mm. I'm sure many of you have done this, and some of you maybe not. So generally we pick a path that's 15 or 20 paces. It doesn't matter so much. Uh, we pick, pick a space that we can walk back and forth kind of unencumbered, as opposed to a long walk, because the starting and stopping is a great way to re-engage our full attention. Right? If we just went around the loop, we would, some part of us would be postponing arrival until we made it. But because we're not going anywhere, there's something that allows us to continue to arrive, continue to be present. And uh, if I kind of veered toward the lazy part of the cosmos, so I like a bit more vigorous walk. I like to walk a little faster, it puts more energy in my body. If you're kind of like that, that might work for you. Or you might choose to slow down, right? I mean, part of what we're dealing with is that we don't really live in our bodies, 
right? So now we land in our Bible like, oh my God, this is painful. I'm squirmish. I'm tired, right? It's just because we're, we're new inhabitants in some way. And so uh, find the pace that feels like you can pay attention to all the sensations as they're arising. And that's the right speed for you. And we put our attention on the physical sensations of what it is to walk. A lot of attention in the legs, in the feet, in this kind of shifting, lifting, moving, placing. You know, so you could do it like that. You can, you can get very minute about the movements. Or you could just say left, right, left, right. And let the breathing be natural. And let the walking kind of be natural. And it doesn't really matter how you hold the hands. But see, am I aware that I'm walking? This is something that most of us do every day. So we're trying to bring mindfulness into a moving activity. Now, first 10 years, I thought it was a bathroom break. Get some tea, (laughs) see if they put some cookies out. You know what I'm saying? Check in. <clears throat> I rob, rob myself of the benefits for many, many years. Yeah. So we put our attention. Uh, sometimes I take my shoes off because I like bright sensations. So I might walk on the gravel or the grass and just really paying attention to the sensations of walking. Mm. <clears throat> when we notice the mind has wandered, which it often does, Right? Um, take a moment. You stop. You wait for presence again. Wait for that intention to begin again. And begin again. And we'll do that hundreds of times. Right? Whether we're walking, whether we're sitting. Awareness wanders. We notice that it's wandered. What noticed that it's wandered? Wisdom. Wisdom knows that you're off on a daydream. And then you have a moment of wakefulness or mindfulness. So we recenter. Feel that intention and begin again. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, I'm over, uh, I'll see something beautiful as I'm walking. I'll notice a bird or a flower or mist coming off the grass. Take a moment, let that in. Come back and begin again. Yeah? Mm. Mm. Enjoy the walking. Yeah, it's a really beautiful part of the practice. Mm. Anything to add, my friends? Good? Mm. Okay, dear ones. We'll be back in here at 10.45. Uh, Try to get to a place where you don't have to navigate any other people. You know, so if everybody, if people go upstairs to do the walking in the room up there, maybe all go in the same direction. So you, you may, you may find yourself in some competition, see who could walk slower, you know, (laughs) who's being more mindful, you know. Sometimes I look out and it looks like a zombie fest, you know. (laughs) Take good care. See you at 1045.